Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Strickland. I'm your host, Shorty Pooh, in this episode 234. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Presidente, at Presidente on Twitter. Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I just, I, I had Twitter up with, while you were reading that, and the first post on my TL was RJ Barrett's top five New York rappers, and it's 50 Cent, Pop Smoke, a boogie with the hoodie, yes, B.I.G. Yes. and Jay Z, and I don't know if I buy that. I don't. That's Jay, R.J. Barrett cares about Fifty Set. Also, like that's just not the best five New York MCs. Well, that's I mean, like even if you ask like a seventeen-year-old who doesn't have like good rappers in his top five, like it, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, if we ask like Tyrese, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like how? Like so, R.J. Barrett's what twenty-two. Uh, right, twenty two. Yeah, yeah. All right. What year did Get Rich come out? Way the fuck a long time ago. Two thousand one came out in two thousand one. Yeah, and it was all downhill from there. Maybe not fame wise, but music wise. So this motherfucker was like barely alive. Yeah, it's- that'd be like if you asked me when I was twenty two what my top five favorite New York rappers are, and I was like KRS One. <laughs> Like, you know I'm full of shit. <laughs> okay, but, like, I-, I could buy it for this reason. 50 Cent is, like, still in the consciousness. That's true. That's like, true. Like, KRS-One is not, in the- like, no one is like, yo, I was just listening to this interview with KRS-One yesterday. Like, I went to a KRS-One show in college, just okay. out of curiosity, really, more than anything. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, but, you- but it's not like you, after that show, you were like, yo, gotta bump this all day. Exactly. Yeah. I KRS was not making uh the rounds on my iPod whatever the fuck I had back then. <laughs> I reverse some shit. I know. No, I had I had an iPod shuffle in high school cuz I was too broke to get a real iPod. But yeah, yeah, yeah. the shuffle I was, I was like, yo, this joint holds 50 songs. But you know the thing about the shuffle was like songs had to earn their place on there. Exactly. It wasn't it wasn't like it is now. These kids don't understand. Oh, KRS wasn't making the cut onto the shuffle? No, he was like he I was, love KRS. But no, you don't. I gotta come. I gotta show love. He's from the Bronx. See, now you're just being RJ. No, but RJ's not. He's from fucking Canada. Yeah, but his family grew up in New York. He's like lived in New York and shit. I'm. I'm gonna tweet Ian Begley and be like, "He's Jamaican. He's like definitely. There's gotta give him some credit. You know, he's definitely some credit. The way the the logic connects here is like he's Jamaican, and. There's probably like some uncle of his who's just like constantly playing like early two thousands <laughs> music, and he just has to deal with it. Even though he's like the chosen one, RJ Barrett, destined from childhood to be an NBA player, even he can't escape that. Yeah, just how it is. That's how it is. And- All right, I'm still gonna ask Ian Begley to be like, "What are your ask RJ what his top five Fifty Cent songs are?" 
I would, even a top three. I would like, you know, the way you have to answer, it has to be this. What are your top three tracks on Get Rich or Die Try It? That's it. That's Cause, a good one. Because you don't want them to be like, oh, I really like, uh, you know, fucking uh, Lollipop. Or whatever bullshit song he's had. Like, he's had all these, you know, all these other single tracks, right, that have come out after that album that he could name out. And I'd just be like, like I come on. I know. I know you're not. I know you're not listening. You're, that's not one of your favorite. If, if you like 50 Cent, there's no way that's one of your favorite. What was it like uh, AO Technology? That was one of his songs, right? Yeah. yeah like, like if, if he said that shit, I'd be like, I know you're lying right now. I know 50 Cent is not one of your top five artists. Get the fuck out of here. Um, All right. I need Ian Begley. Watch Ian Begley already, like, no. Press him on it. Get rich, like, inside and out. What if that's, like, the first thing the entire beat presses RJ on? What do you mean? Uh, So, so RJ, RJ, uh, follow up question on this. we need Tommy Beer. He's the one who asked the fucking hard questions here. I'm gonna tweet. I'm gonna tweet all of these dudes. Fred, all of them. No, you know who would do it, low key. Bondi. Because Bondi's like a hip hop purist. He is. He's also Bondi, and he hates us. So there's yeah, that. but this might be the sweet spot, and he probably hates you. To be fair, he probably doesn't give a fuck about me. Yeah, I mean, I've called him pretty much stupid multiple times. Um and he is stupid. So anyway, uh, before we get started, I do have to make an announcement. The Strickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There are a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to this pod that we do every Friday. Pod Strickland. Uh, we usually don't have extended conversations about 50 Cent. Uh, you also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag. That is hosted every other week by Drew Steele, a.k.a. Doug. There's also a $9 tier. That gets you access to Stick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly premium articles by Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, uh, we're going to go ahead and rank our top 25 New York MCs. Um, no, we're not going to do that. That we'll, we'll do that. That'll be for next offseason. <laughs> I'm going to be like, yeah, we missed the, the chance for that. We had <laughs> fucking 18 pods in a row about Donovan Mitchell. That would have been perfect. <laughs> Compare Donovan Mitchell trade talks to a New York MC. Um, no, we can do it. We'll do it sometime. doesn't matter. Um, all right. Uh, the Knicks played their first, not actual game, but semi, semi-actual game. They played their first preseason game. Yesterday, uh, the Knicks won 117-96 against the Pistons, who people, I think, are vastly overrating, and I saw nothing to make me think otherwise. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't take too much from this game. I try not to take too much from preseason, but my theory that I finally settled on last weekend, which I'm happy I got uh, on the record before this game, uh, was that the Knicks are, like, I don't want to say they're, they're Tibbs-proof, but they're like, there's just too much good talent. I just don't see how this team isn't like right around 500 at the minimum this year. There's, is it like, because I don't, and I don't think I listened to the pod with you and Stacey. So I know like, you didn't listen to the pod with you and Stacey. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, 
I don't like hearing my own voice or your voice or Stacy's voice, so I try to avoid it unless I have feels, to. Feels a little racist. Um, you know when you say it out loud. <laughs> no, uh, is it is the idea basically that like there's more optimal and less optimal lineups, but like most like none of these people suck. Like most of these guys are talented. It's just some of them complement each other better, but like for the most part, guys are talented. The bench is talented. The starters are not complementary. But they're talented, so is that is that kind of the gist? Sorry, say it again. Like, <laughs> like there's talent on the team, so like e- even if some lineups may be more complementary yeah, or yeah. less complementary, like yeah, it's like it's like if our biggest problem this year is that he starts like Fournier and yeah. Brunson are two are like unbalanced, and while they're very good at deep offense, they're not ideal on defense or whatever yeah even like the julius stuff and we'll talk about julius because i feel like people are grading him on the most ridiculous curve um but like i I just again like i just can't see him being as bad as he was last year do i think this starting lineup let's say the starting lineup is exactly what it was yesterday if and if you don't know or you forgot for some reason it was jalen brunson evan fournier rj barrett julius randall mitchell robinson um I don't feel great about that starting lineup. Like, I don't think it's going to be some awesome starting unit. But I also feel like, like, it's probably going to be pretty good. Like, I'm not even it's pretty a lot good. Of scoring. I don't even want to say pretty good, but I just don't think it's going to get blitz. Like, it's not going to be. It's not going to be the Elf starting lineup. I don't think it's not going. It's definitely not going to be the Kemba starting lineup from last year. Um, and you know, look, if the worst case scenario is that it's some kind of like net neutral starting lineup like the Burks Fournier one was. I think that's okay. Like I, I just think that this team has more firepower offensively. I buy that the defense like we've talked about this before, but the defense without Campbell last year is basically a top five defense. I don't see any reason that that wouldn't be the case again this year. Um I think No that, that's only going up. That's only going up. Like yeah. Young guys are get better at defense, like full stop. Yeah. Unless they get in worse shape, which none of these guys are. Yeah. So I just like I like like I don't want to get too much because I talked about this a lot on the last pod, but like this game yesterday again, try not to take too much from preseason. The Knicks were awesome in preseason last year, right? And then they were not so awesome during the season. Although well, I think they were think, awesome for the five games after preseason. <laughs> you know, I actually I did mention at the time, but I thought you could see some of the issues in preseason the last couple of games of that stretch where they were like last year. Yeah, they like the defense wasn't really locked in. Julius was kind of moping around, not moping around, but he was still like yeah, half asking. And I was like, oh, it's preseason, you know, that's fine. And apparently that did not change the regular season. But um, I thought yesterday they looked. For, I think they look really good. And I what I would take the most encouragement from is I thought guys like I'll put it this way. I think RJ, I think IQ, I think Obi, I think even Deuce to a little bit of an extent, but not too much. But those three guys, I thought that they all had stretches of the game where they were not doing things they would do in the regular season. They were doing things that they wanted to do. Because they had worked so hard on some of these things in the offseason, they wanted to show off. They wanted to show, oh, look, I got, I, I got strong. I can drive to the rim now and draw contact whenever I want. Me, Emmanuel, quickly. And R.J. Barrett was like, I'm R.J. Barrett. I got super jacked even more somehow. And I'm going to try to post up 15 dudes. Like, it, they all just did. They all had stretches of the game where they wanted to do things to show off. And I don't care because that is exactly what you should do. 
when you're a young player in the NBA in preseason. Um, but, like, they did that, and they pretty much controlled this game with ease the entire time. Like, and I understand it's preseason. It's not super intense. I promise you that Detroit team was trying a lot harder than the Knicks were trying. Like, no doubt in my mind. And it wasn't close. And the Knicks were not even, like, super hot from three. You know, they were they shot 37%. They made 14 of 37 threes. Not particularly amazing. They only got to the line 15 times. I just think this team has a lot of weapons. And, like, having that guy in Jalen Brunson who I don't think is particularly, like, the best floor general playmaker type, but he's just a guy you have to account for. It opens things up. And, like, I really, like, I didn't think RJ got his buckets that easily in the flow of things because you can tell, like, these guys are still trying to work shit out, right? Like, yeah, yeah, they want to see how the the ebb and flow goes when yeah, there's guys yeah. you got to share the ball with. And you could even see that with the bench. I thought, like, you could see like quickly yeah. isn't sure. Like Hartenstein is a, he hasn't played with the big like Hartenstein flat out. He just hasn't. So like that's an entirely different thing now, right? Than from playing with Mitch and Sims or even like old man Todd, where it's like, okay, you're just going to pick and pop basically because you don't got the bunnies like that anymore. And then the other two guys were just like, okay, so you're just going to roll to the rim, and that is it. There's, they're, they're both like, they're all one read big guys, right? And I think with Hartenstein, there's so many different you have things. Options. You, yeah, you yeah. have options. And I, they didn't even really tap into like his playmaking that much yesterday, which you know is coming. So all in all, I'd, I'd say this was an encouraging first performance. Uh, if you thought the Knicks were going to struggle this year. I don't think you should have seen anything that would necessarily dissuade you from that. But if you thought the Knicks would be good or just at least competent, I think that you should be encouraged by what you saw. A couple of things um, that you mentioned regarding Hartenstein. uh, One thing that I think is really cool that we saw with the, um, the pick and pop threes. And I mean, we saw them, the whole team really running a lot more, not just the bench always runs, but we saw the starters running a little bit and that's TBD until we get to the actual season. Right. But cause we've seen that before, but like we've talked about the Knicks just don't get easy buckets or easy assists. So, or at least historically in, in this regime, the last couple of years and historically even, the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> word, word mush hours yeah. right now. <laughs> At first, I was going to say the last couple of years, and then I was like, nope, because before that, we still didn't get easy baskets, so it kind of just came out of jumble. But, like, IQ handles the ball around a very light Hartenstein screen and then does a very simple hook pass, and the defense is like, I don't believe you, Hartenstein. And then Hartenstein just shoots it and makes it. Like, there's so many times I'll be watching other NBA teams or more specifically, what usually happens is I'll see somebody's stat line and it'll be like some shooting guard or wing or point guard or whoever who got like nine assists or 10 assists. And then half of them are just like require, like like I could make that read. Like, it's just like, oh, I went around a seven foot person and then I gave it back to them. And then they shot a three. It went in. Nobody was guarding them. Like so many assists in the modern NBA because of pace and space and high three-point rates are like that, but we didn't really have access to those. So um, that's the kind of shit that really just boosts your stats really easily. And it, it, I do think 
you know, you see the downside of that with some teams like the Celtics, like when they're not, when they're bombing away and it's not working, then it becomes a struggle. But like, as far as raising your floor, it's a really easy tactic. So someone like Hartenstein helps with that. Um, when you have multiple threats in the starting lineup, you run into some of those as well. Like, oh, like Evan happens to be wide open. He's the fourth threat. Like, you know, shit like that. So you're you're going to see the trickle-down effect of guys like Hartenstein and Brunson, just who who give you options. And the other thing, speaking of Brunson, that I wanted to mention, there's kind of two two things that jumped out from the preseason game that I, I we, we DM'd a little bit about this, and I think will continue into the regular season. One is because he is the point guard. Like, this is not a dispute. Like, it might get a little funny at the end of games, but, like, Julius knows this motherfucker is a point guard and he's a bucket. Like RJ knows that everybody knows that. So you kind of know your role. And that means you, you're not just waiting to get the ball in your favorite spot, right? RJ's not just waiting for a pistol and Julius is not just waiting for an elbow touch. So you would see sometimes um, there was a couple of possessions where they would like run to the corners, shit like that, because they know there's so many threats on your team that it's like you have options in terms of what you can do. Whereas last year, RJ pretty much knew the best option for the team is me doing the pistol action again. And then Julius would know like the best action for the team aside from RJ is me catching the ball in the elbow and then dribbling it off my asshole or whatever. But like now I think you're going to see as part of them kind of negotiating how to play with each other, you're going to see them just kind of diversify what they do on a court while Jalen has the ball because they're not just going to be waiting to get the ball because Jalen might not give you the ball. He might just go get a bucket because he's really good at it. And that's the other thing. The second thing with Brunson is like somebody has to take hard isolation shots on occasion, right? Every offense, even the best offenses have it. And we just didn't have anybody who's good at that. Like RJ at his best was bad at that. Julius at his best last year, was bad at that. So having Jalen, who can just fucking dipsy do sorcerer his ass through the paint and do fadeaways and up and unders and all types of trickery, like now he's the one like absorbing those type of attempts that every team has instead of Julius and RJ. And what a gift. That's one of the areas where it's disproport like having a player like Brunson disproportionately helps the Knicks more than it would if you just drop Brunson into the point guard spot on other teams, because most teams have a guy who can at least somewhat reasonably take some of those one-on-one, whether early clock or late clock, whatever options. So a big open question for me this season is how, what exactly is the trickle down cumulative effect of that? Like, you know, in that Julius piece I wrote, like I didn't bet on him buying into a lesser role. But if this is the sort of thing that helps him sometimes do that, that's a huge deal from the offense. And when I say huge deal, it doesn't mean we're going to have a top five offense or some shit, but like getting from whatever, like 23rd or whatever we were to like 15 or 16 is actually a big deal because the top 10 offenses in the NBA in any given year these days are basically all like historically great offenses or close. So 
the barrier to get that top tier is pretty pretty high, but you don't want to be in that just shit tier, which is where the Knicks have sat for so long. And if they have the top five offense, I mean defense, like like they should, right? Like we saw Mitch is in shape and there was nothing anybody in Detroit could do around the he might as well have had fucking broomsticks in his hands. Like he, everybody was shook in Detroit and uh and maybe because it's the preseason you saw the other guys. I saw they were like rotating very crisply. And I know Detroit makes that pretty easy because they're not the the sharpest passers in, in, in the class just yet. But like Evan and Julius, even the guys who I don't expect to do that, were kind of flying around all over the fucking place. And Jalen, I expected to do that because even though he's short, he gives pretty good effort and has like unlimited stamina. So it was more Julius and Evan kind of running around that was... uh impressive to me and you know again tbd on whether that continues but i say all that to say like brunson and hartenstein are just boring acquisitions if you're not really well versed in the particulars of nick's ineptitude but it explains kind of the difference in excitement i think between a lot of nick's fans for those two guys in particular and everyone else looking in who will probably just end up you know, commenting a month from now, like, oh, what a pleasant surprise. Great signings that have worked out well for the New York Knicks or whatever, right? Like, like it's some unheard of thing that wasn't predictable. So, I mean, it was cool. I just really hope we see the effort continue. I think Jalen Brunson um, taking a leadership role, not just in terms of his play style on the court, but like in the pecking order, I think that would go a long way because it's so fucking annoying when Julius was the leader and he wasn't running around. But if Jalen's the leader, you know he's going to give you effort. And that's not necessarily going to stop Julius from not doing it. But it makes probably it harder makes... to get away with. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I don't think Brunson's the type of dude to be like, listen, fucker, and let's just like <laughs> take someone else to a task or whatever. But it's just a bad look to be next to him. I don't know. He might, man. He, he might. Still... I have no idea. That's what I'm saying. Like, he Cause... might. He, he got some, he's got some sharp wits on him. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I have no idea either. But all those dudes that were on that Villanova team with him, all these guys, like even like Donovan Mitchell last year in the playoffs, they were all just like going out of their way to like praise him. Even guys who don't play with him, like Jammer, like literally, like all of NBA Twitter, like is it respects him. So that's pretty cool. Oh, one other thing I thought was neat. Um, there was a, the third quarter stretch where Julius was just like, all right, nobody on this Pistons team is good, so let's just wrap this up so I can go home. <laughs> and it was a combination of jump shooting and uh, bully work, and it was so funny. I think Jalen was bringing the ball up, and Julius was running hard and then made a cut across the court really hard, and he didn't get the pass that he thought he was going to get. So he kind of put his hand up. But the play developed, and he stayed ready, and he got the ball. And, you know, he didn't take a stupid shot. He took a three and it went in. And that was the first, the, like, the clearest example. Maybe I'll clip this one for Twitter. It was just really funny that you could tell he was still kind of used to, like, all right, when I want the ball on the elbow, I get the ball on the elbow. And then it's not like Jalen waved him off. It's just like Jalen was just doing Jalen. And, and then you could see Julius be like, oh, okay. 
and then kind of just like reset himself a little bit. <laughs> well, also like Jalen's. I think if Kemba hadn't been a corpse, maybe that happens last year. Sure, but like sure. Kemba is, and I also like I quite quite honestly, I just don't think Kemba. He's not. I don't know. I'm not trying to phrase this. Like Kemba has, he really never effectively dealt with playing with or alongside another alpha. Like that was a complaint with it. in Charlotte. There was never anybody. Close he never to had them. help, right? Yeah, there's nothing. And then in Boston, that was always kind of like the issue, right? People are like, mm. they're not. They don't play well together, and all this kind of stuff. Um, Brunson obviously has had to do that basically everywhere. His, his whole career, career. Yeah. yeah, his whole career. So, so he's already used to that, and I just think because of that, um, like there is, he's better at doing it, and also he's not just going to give somebody the ball just because they want the ball. He's like, he's look, he just played with Luka Doncic for right. Three years. He's not going like, to come in, see Julius Randle, and be like, oh, God, I got to give Julius Randle the ball whenever he wants it. Right. I mean, like, he already knows, like, no, I'll give you the ball when I think you need the ball or when you're in a good spot and you should get the ball. But I'm not going to just give you the ball because you want the ball. Um, so, like, yeah, that was good to see. Obviously, the thing is after that, play, after that play, though, it's funny. You could see it click for both of them. And Randle scored three points and Jalen set him up. And that's what, like, them just getting kind of the habits and seeing when they're in the groove and when they're not, right? Because it's easy to see when somebody's in the groove, right? Like, that's I could do that shit, but, like, having the confidence and wherewithal to pull back a little bit, that's that's being a point guard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I just want to, I enjoyed that. I want to try and keep my expectations tempered, but um, yeah, I mean, look, he looked really good. Your son that, Cam got some run. He did. All, all the stuff that Jalen did, though, was like none of it was unexpected. So that was like, that was kind of, and none of it felt like, oh, this, the, the biggest thing he did that I loved that he did yesterday was just like, he was looking to put up threes. That's been an issue for him for a while, is like settling, and not even settling, but like. How many did he put up? He put it up five, like he... five in 16 minutes. Oh shit! Yeah, um, <laughs> I didn't realize it was so much. So, yeah, that that's the biggest thing for him. If he gets that down, like he had a pull up too. Like, if he if he's hitting pull up threes, I, I genuinely like. I don't think he's gonna be not, an all star. Yeah, I mean, he's basically like he's a. Ba- I, I tweeted this this morning. But he's like an impossible cover if he does that. There's really it's- nobody that's gonna check him. One on one, like you can go back and watch the Western Conference Finals. They were highlights. daring him. They were daring him, but like that was it. Like if if he's hitting that shot, because when they actually had to like guard him one on one, he was not having super difficult time getting to spots and putting up shots and making them. It was just the pull up three, like them going under. Like he he has to be able to make teams pay for that. And um, sorry, he put up four yesterday. 20 minutes so Dallas to be wrong but that's still more than he <laughs> usually does it's uh, put different put differently and we've talked about this with RJ my very arbitrary threshold from like non pull up threat to pull up threat is you take two pull up threes a game and he took two he took yeah. two and he made one and like you could literally shoot them at like fucking 32 percent it doesn't fucking matter if once you Unless you're like super duper hot dog shit. <laughs> if you take two pull up threes a game, 
then you you cross like a threshold of effectiveness that's uh really meaningful um rj rj took them but he hit like below that amount so he still needs to work on the accuracy part but uh jalen's just he's too he's too good of a shooter it's more just like you said the willingness and it seems like a low-hanging fruit so i really hope that continues yeah for sure um yeah d rose we he just has to do it like d rose basically did the same shit right like in his last couple of years, he just he became like a low key great pull up shooter <laughs> from three. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, he was doing it last year. The year before, not so much, but last year he definitely did before he got hurt, which was nice to see. Um, yeah, Cam Cam played. He was one of six from the field. I actually liked how he played, just in terms of like how he played. He took a couple of stupid shots, but I thought his defense yesterday was really good, and it wasn't good in the way of like. He had some lockdown on ball possessions. It was good in the way of like he was actually executing to scheme and he got over screens pretty well and he stuck to his man. He didn't get lost. He wasn't just playing in the passing lanes and being totally out of position. Um, I saw him get out of position a couple of times because I remember being like just watching that shit and being like, okay, Cam doesn't know what the fuck's going on again. But maybe it was just a couple of possessions. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't see that. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I thought he looked pretty good. I thought he was pretty mm-hmm. locked in. thought he had a really good strip on Killian when he was driving the lane. Yeah. Uh, I liked his dish out transition. It felt RJ. like our whole team had a lot of, uh, and again, easy when you're playing the preseason Pistons in a tank year, right? But like, one thing I've always wondered, I mean, why, there's no reason for Tips to change it because the defense he has is good, but like, the defense to offense, like getting deflections and steals and shit like that, like just having, whether it's Cam, Quentin, Deuce, you know, two of those guys are probably going to get squeezed, unfortunately, but like just minutes dedicated to guys who get defensive deflections and shit like that. I don't know if Hart, I know Hartenstein didn't get blocks, but I, I have no idea if he's like a handsy guy. Cause it seemed like he was pretty good at that. Uh, He's definitely got the wingspan and shit, so... Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know, he had two steals yesterday, so maybe... That's what I'm saying. They were, like, a lot of guys... Evan fucking Fournier was getting, like, a zillion deflections. Yeah, you know, stop doing the Fournier thing. What do you mean? (laughs) I don't care about Fournier's defense. It's not good on defense. He's a fucking loser. Get out of my face with this shit. (laughs) I'm just saying, if if Evan Fournier is cooking you when you drive to the rim, then... Your team got some some things to work I out. I think <laughs> all that tells me is that Evan Fournier happened to be in the right position one time. That's more me. often than he was last year. <laughs> so I just, I, I just, I, I don't, the Fournier thing, whatever. I don't even care about Fournier that much because whatever. Like the Randall stuff is just, I, I got it. We got to talk about this. I've seen way too much effusive praise for what Julius Randall. I don't care. I do not care what he did yesterday. I do not care that he played well for – I don't think he played well. I'll just be honest. I don't think he played that well. I thought he took really stupid shots in the first half. Yeah, I disagree. I think he took really stupid shots in the first half. I think in the second half, he made a really stupid floater. It was not a good shot. He made it. He made it. Made a couple catches, shoot threes, and he tried on defense. I'm not giving him a fucking star for that. I'm not giving him a cookie. I'm not going to praise him. That's the bare minimum. He did the bare minimum yesterday for me. That's what he did. The bare minimum. Congrats. I don't care. I'm not praising him. 
I'm not, oh, Dr- Brunson fixed Julius. Like, get the fuck out of my face with that. I mean, that's there's no way you can conclude anything like that off of one game. Yeah, one you'd be surprised. Game. You would be surprised. I uh, think it's okay to, like, be happy that he was doing that, but I don't think you can't draw any meaningful conclusions I, from I, that. I, I'm not even ha- – I don't care that he did it. Like, I, I don't understand people being happy about this. I'm, I'm happy about it because, like, the the thing is, like, regardless of what you want to happen with Randall, whether you want him gone, whether you want him it's to not have even a about that. It's not about that. It's not about whether I, – I don't want – it doesn't change – it doesn't change that I want him gone, right? That's not what I'm talking about. Why am I happy about this? This is, like, the bare – What do you want to happen to Randall? Oh, I'm not going to be – he needs to do this shit for two months. That's fine. What do, do you, for two months. What do you want to happen to? Randall? I don't want. I don't want. I don't want anybody praising him for what he did yesterday. Okay. What, did what yesterday do you want to happen is, for Randall this season? Do that for two. Again, do that for two months, okay, and then and then I will game. start. And then I will start praising him, and I'll be like, "Oh, like I love what we're seeing from Julius." Until then, I do not want to talk about this guy. I do not want to hear a single word of fucking praise for him. I don't want to see. I don't want to hear any of that shit. Do, let him do it for two months. Because last year we saw in preseason, he started off preseason fantastic. He even started off the first game against Boston amazing. I, I, I don't. Even, I don't even care about like the the scoring stuff. Like what I don't what care was about more, score either. What was more impressive to me yesterday that I was happy to see that is a low bar is just him running running to the corners, him making cuts with a plump, him making rotations. And yeah, it doesn't mean he's going to do anything in the regular. He could stop doing this shit and literally. I shouldn't say zero people, but most people wouldn't be surprised. But, like, if I see that, I'm going to be pleasantly surprised and happy. Like, if you go on the court and you know there's somebody who's fucking lazy out of your team, you didn't pick your five, and all of a sudden he's trying his ass off, I'm not going to be like, well, all the other times I've played with this asshole, he's been a fucking bum, so I'm not going to be happy. No, I prefer to play with somebody who tries, just like I prefer to watch a lazy fucking guy try even if it's one game like i think it's totally fair to be happy and i think it's completely different than saying like you know proclaiming any conclusions or or you know even calling it the beginning of a trend like i'm it's, not even saying it's that the absolute lowest bar i'm not giving any fucking credit for what he did yesterday he tried that's who cares that's literally the expectation we would not we would we would not trying to be we would not be saying any of this Oh, what, what did he do yesterday? Oh, he did what Obi fucking does every time he goes in the court. What are we talking about here? No, like, I'm talking about his his like movement off ball on defense. Right, like it's more it's more than just trying. It's like because you have to know where to go as well. And is that a, a level of because you can try and still suck at defense? That's what Cam has done his whole career. Like that's a thing in the NBA. So it's it's not the lowest bar. And again, I'm not saying it's sustainable. I'm not saying it's deserving of a gold star. But like. If we have the for the first two weeks of the season, Randall like running around trying on defense, making rotations, you know, boxing out and doing shit like that, I'm not gonna like come on the pod and be like, well, like maybe I won't say anything because Schwinn wants him to do it till the all star break. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. The NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. 
To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets. If your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game, that's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of JID, and it's been great. One reason it's been great to listen to, because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable, and they will not budge. Trust me. Raycons give you 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. I personally just love the, uh, the the earbud tap functions. Those are really nice. Uh, the awareness mode is also great because as soon as you turn on your little Bluetooth thing on the phone, it automatically locks in. And uh, let me tell you, I go on a run every single day. I can't hear anything uh, when I have these in. So highly recommend, have enjoyed my usage of them. Uh, go to buyraycon.com today and use code TBPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code TBPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code TBPN15. I mean, I'm not. I just don't care. I literally do not care about what. I'm, I'm, I'm just explaining. Yeah, and I'm explaining to you. And I'm explaining to you that I don't give a shit where some people are coming <laughs> from. Like this guy did absolutely nothing for a year. He did nothing for an entire year. He did not show any contrition about. He still hasn't said anything about it. He He's said not something going like, to. Yeah, but that's and that's so I don't give a fuck about it then. Like I don't care. He insulted me for an entire year doing whatever the hell it was, and the excuse half the people decided to give him was that, oh, we didn't have a point guard. Like, I don't care. Like, shut up. He has to do this for much – definitely got to do it for more than a fucking preseason game. I'll tell you that. Like, he's definitely got to do it longer than one – for not even a preseason game. He did it for 18 minutes in the preseason. He's got to do this – I want to see this through October, through November. Maybe midway through December, I'll be like, okay. Oh, you know, the season starts, season starts on October 18th, December 18th. That's when we will reconvene on Julius Randle, and we'll have an honest conversation with him. Until then, I don't want to hear his name. I don't want to talk about this guy. I don't want to hear about his effort. If it's good, if it, I don't want to hear about any positive praise about Julius Randle. That's what I want to say. I'm going to he, be on here praising him if he does well, because to I'm me, gonna like... I'm going to be telling you I don't care. Like, I just, I, I'm I just, care. like, it's, it's insane to me, like, whatever your end game preference is, whether you want him out, whether you want him to be a nice role player, whether you want him to become an all-star again, like it all starts with consistency. And that all starts with one. It sounds cliche, but it sounds with just doing little shit from day one. And I, he was absolutely an asshole. He was absolutely insulting to the fans last year. Like no two ways about it. I maintain, like I've been on, we've been on enough pods together. Like, you know, my theory with minimal evidence, just armchair psychology as to why he was doing that is because he was fucking crumbling because he couldn't handle pressure 
and he took it out on everybody else because that's what assholes do. And if the combination of a new season, him not weighing 265 pounds, Jalen Brunson, therapy, whatever, maybe he could sleep more, his kid, I don't fucking know. I don't fucking care either, really, to be honest about the why. But like, if he can get his head back to a place where he's giving that bare minimum, then that's like for whatever outcome you want, trade, role player, start, like that's that's the first step. So I'm I'm never gonna I'm not going to prohibit an NBA player from like if if they want to redeem themselves, I'll give them that chance. Like that's just maybe that's just my personality, but like we have this guy. Like he's not going anywhere. I'm giving him the chance. I just don't give I'm it's like if you if you are an ex con, right? And you're in prison and you behave well <laughs> you behave well for a week. Right? You behave well for a week. They're not just gonna let you out of prison because you behave well for a week. Now you do it for like a year? Yeah, but it. yeah, but the parole officer is still gonna be like, "Yo, keep this shit up for a year. You're on the right track, yeah, dude." Your par- yeah, your parole officer is. I'm Julius Randall's parole officer. Yeah, you can be his parole officer. I'm gonna You're be the guy all- who's like police brutality off his asshole. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the the security guards that deal with this motherfucker. <laughs> like, no, I'm sorry. I I'll look at it and I'll be like, I'll I am giving him the smallest golf clap possible. Um, oh, what he did yesterday is. The absolute bare minimum expectations. I refuse to praise him for it. He still had a couple of absolute nonsensical possessions, especially in the first half. He got an assist on a RJ dunk after on a possession where he literally tr- dribbled the ball. He lost the ball twice, twice, <laughs> twice, and then he happened to like flukily find RJ on a cut. Um, no, I'm sorry. Like yesterday was, it, I wouldn't I, like. I don't even want to call it encouraging. Yesterday was like. Okay, cool. You're not going to be a huge raging piece of shit, maybe. Like that's all it was to me. It wasn't. Oh my god, look at him moving and doing. I was like, okay, nope. You're just not going to be a huge piece of shit, maybe for right now, anyways. Um, and I don't care because last year, I, I just I I want to see how does he handle it when we lose a game by 20 points in the second week of the season. How's he going to react to that? Like, that's what I want to see. I don't care what he does in preseason. I can give a fuck less what he does in preseason. He's going to be joking around, smiling, and acting all buddy-buddy with everybody. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. Um, no, I'm not I'm not giving you any praise. I'm not talking about this fucking guy. Fuck him. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about somebody who actually deserves some praise. I thought Mitchell Robinson was awesome yesterday. He was uh, – I. it's funny. Like, I, I didn't wasn't really on Twitter um, until the very end, and – so I missed the first half. So I, I didn't, nobody tweeted. I mean, it was a very, not really remarkable possession, but like when he picked the entry pass up high to Isaiah Stewart and just like three dribbled layup full court. That was real nice. Yeah. Second he was, is this like, speaking of low bars, it was like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, this motherfucker took a couple dribbles. It was very coordinated with the layup. Despite hey, every, being a huge person. Like <laughs> everybody, everybody that didn't insult me as a fan last year gets the lowest bar in preseason. Yeah, Mitch was he was you know actually this um we another thing we got to talk about is Obi but um it it relates to Mitch cuz Mitch Mitch looks like he's not he's not as skinny nor as springy as he was in the days of yore but like he doesn't look as thick as he did last year though. No, he doesn't. Um he was and most importantly again lowest of bars cuz the Pistons aren't good but like 
It was like, he might as well have been playing against his like nephews or something. Like he was just like, I know what you're gonna do. I, I fucking dare you to try it. Like the, the one he had a couple of possessions that I actually really liked because they were counter to tendencies we've seen from him last year, or not just last year, previous years. The seal. Uh, the seal was really nice. That was great. Actually, they called a travel on the one. Wasn't it? Tra- I thought they. Called oh no, the- no, no! You're right. You're right. It was a three seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was, but- I was so, t- I was watching that shit, and at first they got to travel, and I, I, there was nobody in my house, and I was like, bullshit! That was a great seal and up and under from Mitch, and then Steve Gudley was like hoarsely talking about him being in the paint for five seconds. So I ran it back, and I was like, okay. He was in the paint for like five, six seconds. <laughs> yeah, but he, but he got good position. It was good position, and he and it was a good it. move. Yeah, he it was it was good. He did that a he did that another time, and Brunson actually got him a layup. I think. Um, I just I he had another but on defense he had a possession where I think it might have been Sadiq Bay drove in, got into his body, bumped him, and in the past that's always been a time where he gets bumped and then he puts his arms and reaches over and down. Mm-hmm. over the defender, but I think the gains have paid off. He didn't really get bumped off by Sadiq Bey, who's a strong boy, by the He's way. He's a big boy. Yeah, uh, he didn't really get bumped off, and he just had his arm straight up and absolutely smothered him, and it was a great possession. It was a great defensive possession. That's something that he has not – that's something he struggled with previously. Um, so Mitch gets the gold star for lowest bar cleared. <laughs> I'm very happy for him. No, I just I just thought he looked really good. I thought he You'd was, like to see him moving well. Like forget all yeah. the like the deflections are great, the dunks are great, but like he wasn't lumbering, he wasn't doing penguin walk, like you know I don't know how many minutes he played. It wasn't a lot and it certainly him, wasn't him, high intensity, but him, Julius, and Fournier played eighteen, Brunson played twenty, RJ played twenty three. Um I thought I thought he was good. I thought he was good. He looked sharp. He looked you know, the one of the things with him has been that he starts season slowly. So even Generally, when he's yeah. come, come in shape, his it feels like he's not mentally there sometimes, or he's like it's always up. something, right? Yeah. Like like last year, it was the injury. The year before, he the year before ent- he started well. Actually, that was the that was the COVID he, year. He, he played well. He that started year. well, but I, I, he he didn't get the fouls under control until a little bit later in the season. So we really haven't had like like a start of just health. No foul trouble, knows what the fuck he's doing. Like this is the probably the first time in his career. Yeah, and I thought I thought he was good, so I was happy to see that. Um, Mitch obviously made a pretty big. The biggest, the best thing about that is the concern with Mitch has, for a lot of us, myself included, putting myself out there, has been that how is he going? How is he going to react when you pay him? Is he going to stick with it? Is he going to like? And yesterday was at least an indication that. He did not get paid and then go get fat. He got paid, and it looks like he came into camp in the best shape that you could hope for. The best shape that you could possibly hope that he's in. Um, we did not see him launch any threes, uh, unsurprisingly. Uh, but no, I just, I just he thought might he get jealous watching iHeart just put him up. <laughs> yeah, he might. But yeah, no, he he looked good. I was I was happy to see him moving around like that. Uh, I want to talk about um, well. Actually, no. Well, yes, always, forever. But <laughs> actually, you know, physically, like the person who was most impressive to me in terms of changes from last year was Obi Toppin. He looked dramatically more fluid and less stiff to me. Like, I, I, I was actually astonished. I was like, this is 
This is the motherfucker who looked like Crash Bandicoot and like waddle like just despite his explosive hops, like it's like a wooden like a old wooden toy from like the sixteen hundreds. That's how he moves, like a wooden figure. Like he was very fluid on both ends. Like the the one drive and dunk he had was very basic, but it wasn't quite a straight line. And then even on defense, just it, he was it sounds kind of cliche, but he was moving much more like a wing than a big and I maybe all the fucking hot yoga with Johnny Bryant and IQ finally paid off. He is he, he looked like he was both stronger but slimmer and more flexible. And honestly, like fuck, all, like all the other play, like I love Jalen Brunson, whatever. But like that was the th- the single the number one most surprising thing to me yesterday was just watching this guy move. Yeah. Um... I might be tripping though, because I didn't see anybody else talk about that. I mean, people talked about like he's still airballing, he's still dunking, he's still running. <laughs> I I did the the one airball from the corner was weird, but the other three were like they looked fine. They looked fine. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I'm not that worried about that. I was checking uh, for that because like the thing he changed at the end of last season was um kind of letting his feet uh drift forward, forward a little bit, yeah. and the. <laughs> The the airball well he did that but he like landed on one foot so it was like the kind of shot you take when it's like Reggie Miller or I was gonna say when you're playing the last pickup game of the of the run <laughs> but same deal and he's not Reggie Miller so yeah keep your ballads Obi but the other ones they were fine misses one of them was perhaps a little bit out of his range but whatever. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.